Lob it up to Rudy, put it down. Mitchell three. Yes! The rookie comes alive! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hashtag Jazz. My name is Jason Walker. I'm Trey Sanders. And we're coming to you, I don't know, not live on a Sunday evening. The All-Star Game's going on right now, I believe. Yeah, woohoo, woo. And I am not watching it, though, not deliberately. Last I'm year, deliberately I... not watching it. <laughs> Last year I watched uh, it just to see a, a Gordon Hayward play, and he played like, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes and didn't do diddly jacks, which was kind of predictable. Yeah, well, he's the one white guy that made it to the All-Star game. So, <laughs> Yeah, and, and his style is not conducive at all to the all-star game like they're all there throwing down their dunks and fancy shots and he's a very not flashy player no well and he's not personable either so yeah that that's that's part of it that's why he hasn't quite made himself into a a brand yet whereas donovan mitchell is like already halfway to there and just doing all this crazy stuff and the the one thing he he did already accomplish this All Star break was winning the dunk contest, which I don't know I I wasn't sure what to think. Like people were people predicted Donovan Mitchell to win like the majority of people that I saw. There were more people picking for Mitchell than you know for anybody else. You know, I I kind of figured that Larry Nance would win it. Just you know, it's kind of the story. His dad won the fir- first dunk contest. He spent most of his season in L.A. The All-Star, the dunk contest was happening in L.A. and all that stuff. So I kind of figured that would play in his favor. But Mitchell managed to win it, and his star continues to rise. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to see him win that. And, you know, he kind of – he's got that personality that fits the NBA superstar where he's just like – he's an attractive black man who can play basketball. I I know that sounds kind of racist, but it's you know he's got he's that it guy you know he's got the personality he's relatable he's entertaining, um, so I, and I'm I'm happy for him I'm happy he did uh, two homages to Griffin and uh, or Griffith Griffith not Griffin, um, and uh, Vince Carter but I kind of feel like Dennis Smith Jr. got robbed a little bit because. He's that dude's got as much a leap as Donovan does. Yeah, and I did like that one dunk he did. He kind of went between the legs and had this, and he put it in with like his left hand on the right side of the rim. I honestly thought that was probably my favorite dunk that I saw. That, and I'm always a a sucker for the cradle dunk that Larry Nance did, which I think was his first dunk. I always kind of like that dunk. Yeah, it was a be- it, it was a better dunk contest than the last like two or three. I you know, All Star Weekend just is so underwhelming. I'm not like the dunk contest has not been great. The three point contest is meh, and the All Star Game is just as much meh. I mean, we we get so hyped on these players throughout the season, and then they get to the All Star Game, and it's this just boring pickup game. Like it's not entertaining. Yeah, I think, you know, especially with, like, the things like the dunk contest and the skills challenge, the three-point contest, it's kind of like, you know, there are a lot, there are plenty of good three-point shooters that can make it interesting, although it'll never quite have the luster it did when you had guys like Larry Bird, you know, 
playing in the three-point contest and being proud of the fact that he would win it. But anyway, I think I had this thought that it was probably either Friday or Saturday about, you know, it would be nice if you could have, find some way to make it where the only people you can pull for like these contests, like the skills challenge, the three-point contest, and the dunk contest, you had to pull those participants from the All-Star game. Like if you make it to the All-Star game, then you're eligible to be selected for one of those spots. And like that's, and and if you don't make the All-Star game, you're not eligible for any of those contests. And it's not perfect, but I mean, it would make it so much more interesting. I think you'd get people who'd get snubbed from these contests, but it would certainly make it a lot more interesting that you have the stars participating in the skills challenge, the dunk contest, the three-point shootout. You have, roughly speaking, the best players in each of those contests. It'll never That's happen, fair. but yeah. I, I feel like the three-point in I feel like the three-point contest would be more interesting if they had like um machines shooting basketballs back at them as they're trying to take their shot that would be far more entertaining <laughs> so like like they have, they have to, to catch dodge it or a like a barrage getting... of basketballs that are being thrown at them while they have to put one in <laughs> i just have people run at him and tackle him as well have a closeout guy yeah something you know just rough him up before the break you're like oh you thought this was going to be a break yeah right <laughs> Yeah, but it's. I think really the biggest value the All Star Break gives is I think it gives fans a chance to kind of reset. There's a little bit of you know call it soft basketball that you can you can get excited about. Like really the the events that I pe- feel like people are going to care the most about is really going to be the Rising Stars Challenge because which was, which was stupid. Yeah. I didn't watch it at all, so I I didn't really care. But like oh that game was boring. Oh man. Yeah, it's one of those games where you're like me, where I didn't watch it, probably not going to. I went back and looked at the box score because I wanted to see how Donovan Mitchell did. And I'm mm. sure, you know, all the 76ers fans, they wanted to see how Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons did and so on and so forth, go down the list of teams that have rookies or sophomores playing in that game. And that's really the most anybody's going to care. Like, I mean, I guess if you've got an all-star on the all-star game, you're not really concerned at all how he does in the all-star game unless – they win MVP or something, in which case it's a nice little gold star for your guy, and then you move on. You don't care about it. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a showcase game for the up and coming talent. I understand that, but this, this thing of just like this pickup ball, it's. I get that it's a break, and you don't want your players to overexert themselves in the off chance that they get injured during these games. But my hell. I want to see a basketball game. I don't want to see, hey, how many sh- how many three-point shots can I take? How many dunks can we make? It is to the point where I'm just like, this is redundant and stupid. And also, the Team USA, what was that? Like, you guys just didn't seem to care. Like, the world ran all over you. Have some pride. <laughs> it's kind of like those few years with the Olympics where nobody cared, and then we suddenly lost, and it was like, are we still the best at basketball? Right. Which- Obviously, we are. I don't think anybody will ever overtake the U.S. in basketball, unless it's. I don't just... know if the if if in the next what sixteen to eighteen years that roster of our USA Rising Stars is the Olympic team, we're screwed. You kid me? 
Well, that that team was also missing, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Base, or I get, no, it wasn't missing Ben Simmons, and he's from the world anyway. He's from was Embiid on the USA team? No. Okay. Cause if, if, where where is he from again? I can't remember. Oh, I don't know. Cause not here. I can't remember if he went to a a college, a U.S. college or not. I don't think he did. I think he just. I can't remember. Where did he go? Wait, he went to Kansas, didn't he? Um, he went to Kansas. I believe so. Yeah, it's not a big deal anyway. We'll move past my lack of where everybody went to college and whatnot. But... He's from Cameroon. Okay, that's, that's what I thought. I thought he was from some African nation. Yeah, his middle name is Hands. <laughs> it, it's it's fun when you look up people's middle names sometimes. Yeah. Then, then you, learn some, <laughs> you learn some people don't have middle names. It's like, what? Yeah, oh, or some people have five middle names. Yeah. Tom Birdie has two middle names. <clears throat> yeah, it's because his parents don't like him. <laughs> some other people like him. A few. <laughs> his wife, and that's... That's probably about it. And everyone in the greater New England area. Oh, you know he didn't get any loving after that Super Bowl loss. <laughs> well, no, but they still like him. <laughs> yeah, Bill Belichick will get hate from Patriots fans, and it ends really quickly. And Anyway, so obviously, I guess Donovan Mitchell, just, he continues. And like you said, he's got a very appealing personality, more so than Gordon. You know, I think Gordon definitely fit into the Utah culture. I think fans liked him, and you know, even though he wasn't the most personable guy, you know, John Stockton wasn't either. He was not much of a people person, and you know, he's still endeared in Utah. But I do think that Donovan Mitchell, just everyone loves him, you know, there's really not a thing about him that fans don't love, and that's just going to continue to grow as he covers up any of the weaknesses in his game that he has right now. Just yeah, totally. I mean, he he is your consummate superstar. I mean, when I when I watch him, the way he carries himself, even at the All Star game, man, he he's soaking this up, but he's still remaining humble about it, and he's got that personality. You know, when he had the his hands going underneath his chin, like that's it, that's no more, you know, stuff like that. He's a showman in the way that Magic Johnson was. And um, he's totally taking over um, the hearts of the of jazz fans, and he's definitely, if he hasn't before All-Star break, he's definitely caught everyone's attention now. Yeah, and so we'll, we'll have to see where that goes. And, and one interesting thing, and we're going to talk about point guards for a minute here, this is the fact that Donovan Mitchell moved to point guard for these last three games filling in for Donovan Mitchell rather than having, say, Raul Neto fill in, or is it Howell Neto? I've heard people say that it that way. I yeah, I've heard that on the broadcast. I kind of feel like, I almost feel like that's a nickname or like a, a way of saying his name. I don't know. Raul or the, the, the Howell? Or, I, I Howell Neto. I, know his, his full I don't know. Because, I don't speak Portuguese. Yeah, because because Raul is a it's a shortening of his actual full first name, which has like I N Z O at the end or something like that. And huh. all my apologies to Raul Neto. I I just I'm probably butchering your name. Just forgive me now. <laughs> um, but when it comes to point guards, like recently or it was probably about two or three weeks ago, I was looking. I was I had a thought like 
you know, when Ricky Rubio scores some points, the Jazz seem to do pretty well. And so I went through and I looked at, at Ricky Rubio's his his best games, and I sorted it by like the number of points scored. And I noticed something pretty insane is that when Ricky Rubio scores, the Jazz win. It's it's not this trend. It's almost a rule. Because when you look at this year, the Jazz um, are eight and zero when when Rubio scores twenty or more points. I mean, so it hasn't ha- hasn't happened a ton in in fifty something games of Ricky Rubio playing. He's only done it eight times. But when Ricky Rubio has reached the twenty point mark, the Jazz win just flat out. And this, the same kind of thing happens when he's shooting efficiently from the field. When he's shooting fifty percent or more from f- from uh, the like overall from the field, the Jazz are eight and two. I mean, they're seven and zero oh when he makes eight or more field goals. And one of the other crazy things, and I think this makes a lot of sense, when Ricky Rubio makes two three pointers in a game, the Jazz are thirteen and three. I mean, if Ricky Rubio is getting it on from downtown, then the Jazz become very unstoppable, with few exceptions. And I I, I looked back at last year with George Hill and there's very similar trends in that when George Hill was scoring, like when George Hill scored 19 or more points, they were 20 and two was their record. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just in, and I've talked to you about this on a number of occasions, but just, I think just the point guard position has become so valuable in the Quinn Snyder system, especially scoring. Cause these trends don't show up with assists and they don't show up with jazz other stars like with Donovan Mitchell or Gordon Hayward when they score there's really no correlation between winning and scoring with them I mean even when they get some of their career highs it's not a guarantee that they're just going to win and I guess what are your thoughts on the the point guard in Quinn Snyder's system well first of all I I I, I feel like that is more of what Quinn Snyder has in mind when he when he talks about his system offensively. I think that the point guard in his eyes is still just as important as it was back in, you know, back in the day. And it is the floor general, but um, obviously the system is everyone gets equal share. Everyone is moving the ball. Um, but when you got, I mean, and we, we saw to go back to George Hill, you know, when we saw George Hill last year, you know, he was killing it. And obviously the toe injury kind of made it. So he wasn't as effective and obviously he sat out a bunch of times, but maybe now that I think about it is I feel like the, the point guard is almost the catalyst, um, which should be regardless of the team or system. Um, but that, that that's fascinating to to really see that and hear that because, like even like was eight eight and two when rookie uh, Ricky shoots better than fifty percent from the field and seven and one when he shoots better than fifty percent from three, I mean that's ridiculous because now you've got, <clears throat> you know instead of the three or the two or three guys that can hurt you from either the four the five or the two. Now you've got that one spot that is just making it even more difficult for a defense to stop, especially when the ball's moving around like it has been. So, I mean, that's fascinating. I, I, my biggest thing is, is, and it's more of a question, is is that the way that this, is, this system is designed from the get-go? 
Well, I, I think it is because looking at some of the – so NBA.com, they keep play data for different teams on how frequently they run certain types of plays. I think they have like 10 different types of plays, one of which is the pick and roll when the ball handler keeps the ball. And the Jazz are third in terms of how frequently they run this. They run it uh, 21.6% of their offense comes from a play where the pick-and-roll ball handler will either take a shot, turn it over, or go to the free-throw line in some form. Basically, the possession will end with the pick-and-roll ball handler keeping it. So a lot of times it'll be Ricky Rubio or Donovan Mitchell or Joe Ingles. Um, Ricky Rubio and Donovan Mitchell are kind of neck-and-neck in terms of who they run it through the most. But one of the very interesting interesting things about this year is that while the Jazz are third in the amount of times they run this, they're third to last in efficiency. They're in the seventh percentile in points per possession when they run that play, where the ball handler keeps the ball on the pick and roll. Last year, they were similarly ranked. I want to say they were fourth or fifth. But they were also in the top five in efficiency. I, can't remember exactly where they were but they had george hill was in individually was in the 91st percentile in points per possession gordon hayward was like in the 87th percentile whereas this year donovan mitchell who's the best at running this play based on points per possession he's barely above average and i think that's one of the reasons why the jazz have struggled at times is that their second most common play which is this this pick and roll with the ball handler. That's their second most common play, and it's their worst play in terms of efficiency. And I think that's one of the main reasons why Ricky Rubio, he's having such an awesome offensive stretch right now in his last however many games. Um, you know, the last, I guess, kind of since the beginning of the win streak, he's scored 10 or more points in every game except for one where he only played like 20 minutes. Um, that was the game he went out, right? Yeah, I think that was. He went out with the hip injury, didn't really play the second half. And he had he had six points. But he's been shooting uh, um, amazingly. He's shot above 50% in almost every single game. You know, he, he's shooting 54% from three in that stretch. And so his amazing offensive stretch, and, and he's averaging almost 19 points per game, the Jazz are able to run this play, their their offense, the same way they were able to last year. And they were super efficient last year, and they've been able to do that here. And I think that's one of the reasons why this stretch has been so successful, because their offense has just exploded, because Ricky Rubio has been able to run the offense effectively and be efficient in playing his role, basically the same role of George Hill as last year. Yeah, well, and... Even Joe Ingles is getting in on that now too, because he's not—he's not pass happy anymore. He's starting to go to the hole. He's got that high, arcing layup, lefty or righty, it doesn't matter. He's knocking that down when he gets the opportunity. So I, I kind of feel like that's—that's uh, that's a the—that's something that we need to watch going forward for sure. Because I mean, I don't know—is that—is that percentage for our in the low? percentile is that season the season average yeah that, that's the whole season like where they rank in points per possession based on like the rest of the nba like 
It okay. said they're like 27th or 28th, whatever third to last is. There's only two teams below them. Um, I can't remember which ones those are. But, yeah, so we we run it almost the most, but we're one of the worst at it. Yeah, and, you know, and if you were to run those same numbers for even just this 11-game winning streak, I think that we would be shocked to find that that they're in the top at least – five percent in those category in those same categories yeah and I, I i wish i could i i tried to find you know something where it would tell me over a specific stretch of games but the nba.com they only have it for the whole season because i had that same thought because I'd, I'd love to see where they're at for the last 10 games and, and i suspect the same as you where they would jump from the seventh percentile to the 90 something percentile they'd have been oh absolutely i mean the biggest problem for us, or I guess not for us, I don't play on the team. Uh, for the team was the execution was already was always there. They were always executing. Things just weren't falling. Now we've gotten to this point where that flip was that uh, switch was flipped, and not only are they executing, but they are knocking down their shots. Yeah, and I think that's huge, especially with Joe Ingles, where earlier this <laughs> year, and I know. You know, a few weeks ago, I was planning on talking about having, you know, on this podcast, we were planning to talk about Joe Ingles and the struggles he's had. Well, that's no longer a topic because he is absolutely on fire. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and he's been aggressive in his shots. It was one thing that people were pointing out. You'd see him, he'd have like five feet, you know, between him and a defender. And the defender would be kind of like closing out, but he wouldn't take the shot. He'd be almost scared to take that shot. Now he'll take that shot and bury it in the eye of his defender. And it's nice to have right. that aggressiveness. Absolutely. I, did, I mean, I've seen him take so many shots in the last week that he never took in a jazz uniform. He would get the ball and just put it up, and it would go in. You never saw that from him even last year. Yeah, I think it's – it's just one of, you know, there's you can go down the list of the reasons the Jazz are on this 11-game win streak, and there's probably 27 of them, which randomly is, I don't know why I picked 27, because that's Rudy Gobert's number, but I didn't do that on purpose. And Ru- Rudy Gobert's one of those many reasons, and so is Joe Ingles, so is Ricky Rubio, uh, Donovan Mitchell's obviously a big part of the Jazz, and just going down the list, so many different things. Um, for why the Jazz are on this win streak. But I think this one thing with Ricky, Ricky Rubio is crazy. And that's why for a little bit I was saying Ricky Rubio is the most important player on the Jazz. Honest, obviously not the best. And maybe he's not long-term, but when, you know, in, in terms of winning, if he's having a good scoring game, you know, he's he's that little linchpin where – Everything could hinge on him. Where if he has a bad scoring game, then it just hurts our offensive system when we have to rely on guys like Donovan or Joe or you know, Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors. Though when he's on, it forces teams to account for him. I remember the San Antonio game where he had 34 points. And late in the game, they'd be running, they'd be running plays through him, and you'd have two guys... You know, double-teaming him as he drove into the key, which made it super easy for him to just dump it off. There were two different occasions where he dumped one off to Derek Favors, another to Rudy Gobert, where 
the def- he sucked in the defense and he was able to, you know, he's a great passer and so he's able to get it to somebody else, an easy two points. And it's just that's why I think Ricky Rubio is so crucial to winning because when he can score, the Jazz win, and that's just it's almost a hard fact at this point. Right, but the main thing is, is can he maintain this? Now that he's been out with injury, it's a little questionable. It, it's always been questionable. Um, the fact that he's been doing this is out of the norm for him, right? But maybe he's maybe he's figured it out in a Jazz uniform. I mean, I know that we are the mecca of player development, so who knows? Yeah, I think my my instincts tell me that this is not a long-term thing. He's done this kind of thing before. He's had stretches where he's yeah. been amazing. He did this in Minnesota like the last year, I think post All-Star break. I think he had a stretch where he was fairly impressive from 3. I'm going to actually look it up right now. Or he was impressive shooting from the field in general. Let's see where the Oh, so it'll be it'll be he'll pick right back up where he left off after we're done with the All-Star break then. Maybe Maybe I don't know. Like, like last last year, post All Star break, he shot thirty five percent from three, um, in twenty four games. So I, I think See, he it is, it, he's already he's beating that. <laughs> I, I guess I guess so. Um, Watch but, out, he's gonna shoot sixty percent. He's shooting fifty four. He's, he's shooting fifty four right now. You know, there's there's only so so much further he can go up from there. Um, but. But I think that this is probably not going to be a long-term thing. He's a career like 30% from three and like 39% overall. I, I forget where exactly. but And this is why I've worn up a lot to the idea of Donovan Mitchell being a point guard. Um, like I've, I've, I've pictured him as a shooting guard for pretty much since we drafted him, that was his listed position. I thought we're going to have Donovan Mitchell at the shooting guard and somebody else at the point guard, presumably Dante Exum. But, you know, I think with when Ricky's been out, Donovan Mitchell filled in, and I think he did a pretty good job. He's been pretty inefficient from the field these last few games. He's shot over 20 shots per game the last few games, and he's only, you know, he's getting into the 20s and scoring. But I think long-term... Donovan Mitchell should probably be the point guard of the Jazz. You know, just because of the system, you know, he's going to get better. He's going to be more efficient. I mean, as a rookie, he's so far been above average with the pick and roll, and I think he'll just continue to grow from there in this system to where the most important player in the offense of Quinn Snyder, that being the point guard, that can be our star player. That can be Donovan Mitchell where the system – benefits Donovan Mitchell scoring-wise, and that can help the Jazz the most, if that makes sense. No, that's fair, but what do you do with Exum? I think you can play him at the two. And I think I... that, I mean, you have we have Joe Ingles kind of playing. I think you kind of imagine Donovan Mitchell playing a similar, kind of similar to how the Jazz use Joe Ingles. He's, he's not going to be the same as far as being able to shoot it from three. But the Jazz are willing to use their twos and threes to run the, the pick and roll and well. The the pick and roll as well. And so I think that the Jazz can do that. But either way, honestly, if we have Dante X and Donovan Mitchell together, 
then, I mean, we've talked about this before, there's not really going to be a defined point guard so much. Um, if there were, I'd say Donovan Mitchell should probably be that. But I think, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much sense I'm making. I just think that Donovan should probably be the point guard going forward because of how important that is in terms of scoring. And he is such a, a good scorer. I think that'll just fit right into how Quinn Snyder likes to run his offense. And, and no, he's already good. I, I see it. what you're saying. He's really good at coming off of screens. He does have a passing ability, but I don't know if he'll ever be um, kind of that point guard role. I think it, it just fits him better to be that two guard. And with that said, Donovan Mitchell has become a hell of a fourth quarter player. Oh, he yeah, has been definitely. tremendous in the fourth quarters. Yeah, I've I've been trying to find a place that'll tell me his fourth quarter stats, and I st- I still can't find one. <laughs> all all my all my main uh, yeah stat places like Basketball Reference or ESPN they don't mm-hmm. tell me the quarter by quarter splits, which I feel like is one of the most basic splits you can have for a player is how many right. points they score in a given quarter. But I I have gotten that feeling where. You know, he'll score six points in the first half and he'll finish the game with 27. And, right. And and he's just he's just clutch. I mean, that, that Phoenix game, I remember he just, he was struggling. Like these last few games, like I said, he's been struggling from the field and he'll just take over. He'll have seven or eight points in the fourth quarter and like the last five minutes. And the Jazz just turned to him the way that teams turn to their star. And, and I've talked about this before. I'm like the one game I always think of when I think of turning to your star late in the game is this one Raptors game where the Jazz are playing the Raptors, and they just handed the ball to Kyle Lowry. I don't think Demar Derozan was playing in this game, but they'd give the ball to Kyle Lowry, and he'd do something. He would either get fouled, take a shot, or whatever, and he was the guy that ended every possession. And the Jazz are doing the same thing with Donovan Mitchell, which I don't know. It's just exciting. It is. It's it's super exciting. The fact that he's already he's he's already become a closer um, more than halfway through the season, and the fact that not just his eyes but the entire team's eyes are set on the playoffs at this point. I mean, this this kid's just going to keep getting better and better and better, and you can trust that he's going to make a shot because he just his shot is so repeatable and he lives for that moment, that big moment. Like, you don't see any nerves in his game in the fourth quarter. Like, he might make a slip-up here and there, but he just moves on to the next play. That's how he's been the entire season. Yeah, I think you mentioned that moving on to the next play. It's crazy because he'll make the big shot. I remember there's one uh, big shot he hit, and it panned over to him as they were heading back down the field, and he was just staring straight on, wasn't – wasn't celebrating. He was focused. He was probably staring straight at his man that he was going to be guarding on that play, where he just he keeps going on and, he, and just ready to make that next play, whether it's a good play or a bad play. I, I don't know how many more words I can say about Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, right. It's we we say it all. The, I mean, we, there's not a week that we won't be gushing over this kid. Like in all seriousness. Yeah. So. We'll we'll go ahead and move on so we don't get get too repetitive. You know, we 
talk about every week mentioning Donovan Mitchell. We're going to have a a new, I guess, new segment every week we're going to try and do, and that is to award, I don't know what we're going to award, maybe a nice uh, air high five, give an award to the unsung hero of the week. Um, uh, poor one for the for the homies. Yeah. And, of course, this idea coming from uh, Trey Sanders, I didn't come up with a, such a good idea, so. Make sure you get credit for that idea. I don't know if it's that good. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I I just I, I it just occurred to me watching <clears throat> this jazz team over this win streak is just every single night somebody is stepping up. Somebody is doing something more than they usually do, or they were integral to the win. And um, obviously, it has to go to Royce O'Neal. I know I've kept saying over and over that I love this kid, but it is like he is a bona fide hustler. This dude is figuring it out. He plays hard every single possession. Um, I haven't done the math on it, but just even from the Portland game to the San Antonio game to the Phoenix game, he has been an absolute stud. He had 11 rebounds against Portland. He had six assists against Portland. And he only scored, oh, what's that? Four points, and he was plus 28. Get out of here. And then the big defensive stop at the end of the San Antonio game, it's just ridiculous. He didn't. He scored eight points. He only got three, uh, three rebounds, no assists. He didn't get a block. But, man, the the... the the stat sheet doesn't have the numbers that as in terms of the effort that these that he has put in and it sucks because Royce O'Neal is seriously underrated i don't know um i think KSL is putting up a thing about it with uh Dennis Lindsay about where and how he found Royce O'Neal um but yeah as far as giving out a physical award i don't think we'll ever be able to do that but um, mad kudos to Royce O'Neal over this past week, man. He's been insane. Yeah, that, that's just some because coming into the season, I had no idea who Royce O'Neal was. I don't. Yeah, he was a rookie this year, so obviously he wasn't on the roster last year. And just he was this random guy at the bottom of the roster, and be like, oh hey, this Royce O'Neal kid got minutes. It means it means we blew out somebody, yay! And now it's just he's just improved so much and just the idea like um how much he's improved this past month when i saw the starting lineup uh, when i heard ricky rubio was going to be out and i went and saw the starting lineup and it had royce o'neill and it was like yeah that's pretty cool it wasn't oh freaking no we're starting an undrafted rookie free agent we're doomed in this game it's like yeah we'll be fine royce o'neill is starting like, who on earth would have thought we'd be okay with the notion of Royce O'Neal starting three games in a row for the Jazz? It's... Um, is it any coincidence that he wears the number 23 that Wesley Matthews wore when he played here? I think this is that same kind of story, man. Wes, Mathle- Wes Matthews was undrafted. It's out of Marquette, not Baylor, like Royce O'Neal is. But it's that same type of story where he comes in undrafted. He did play overseas, um, so he has that experience, but 
Yeah, I mean, it was the same thing that Wes Matthews did. He started having, like, awesome games off the bench, and then he cracked the starting lineup and just killed it from there. Yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, killing it is, like, exactly the the term for him. He's just... He's had, what, say, like, three, five, seven double-digit games uh, since January. And... The plus minus is really one of the biggest indicators of how well he's done. Like you said, the Gamerty was plus 28 and had four points and six assists. He was plus eight and plus nine in the next two games. And so this guy is just, he's that plus minus monster where, yeah, he's not really going to be putting up crazy stats. He'll have those games. Like he had 19 points against Phoenix. He had 11 rebounds against San Antonio. And like I said, there's, you know, like seven or eight double-digit games in the last couple months. But he's just that guy, like you said, he's hustling. He's doing all the little things. He's playing defense, too. Like you mentioned that steal against San Antonio where he just does these things. You don't see them coming, and then all, all of a sudden, like, holy cow, that was such a great defensive play. And You don't ever see him really do anything wrong, or at least that often. And he's just this reliable guy that does his part. And you know, he's been getting some praise, but I think definitely he's been one of the, the unsung heroes, especially since these last three games he's played 33 or more minutes. He played 38 minutes against San Antonio. And that's so. just a testament to Quinn Snyder, man. He knows, he knows when someone is, is working his ass off for him, and he, he worked himself into the starting lineup. There's no other way of putting it. He does the intangibles. You can't teach the stuff that he does. I mean, you can help him kind of um, refine those skills, but what he does on the court is immeasurable. Yeah, and I think in a way, Royce O'Neal reminds me of Joe Ingles. And Joe, he basically did the same thing that Royce O'Neal did, although it took him two or three seasons to do so. Where I remember it was probably in like 2014-15, the year might be off, but... I remember there were jazz fans I would see on on comments on different blogs like, oh my gosh, we're starting, or we're playing Joe Ingles' significant minutes. Like, that's just bad. And now Joe Ingles is like the glue guy for the entire team. And I, and Royce O'Neal's done the same thing inside of a year where he's the nobody at the end of the bench and now he's starting. Now he's not going to be a, a starter long term, but he's going to become, you know, the maybe the seventh or eighth man, maybe even the sixth man. Um, we don't really have a defined sixth man on this roster, I don't think. But it's just... No, but that's that's also because this is designed for community, man. I don't, you know, um, if I were to give the sixth man to anybody right now, it would be Royce O'Neal. But um, yeah, I just I, – I, I, I gush about we, – we, we gush about Donovan Mitchell, but I – Gosh, about Royce O'Neal, man. He just makes these plays where I'm just up, standing, and clapping emphatically for this guy. He's gonna get a major. He's gonna get a big contract from us. If we don't, then Dennis Lindsay, I owe you a smacking. <laughs> it's, it's like how we always, uh, at least I often lament the fact that we let Wes Matthews go. Um, and we chose. We essentially chose C.J. Miles over him. You know, yeah, they, that was puzzling. That also was not Dennis Lindsay, though. This is this record. is true. This is true. <laughs> but you know, Dennis Lindsay's made mistakes in the past too. So oh yeah, they all do. 
Yeah, so we'll, we'll just have to see. Although I think definitely Quinn will value Royce, unless they can get somebody else for him. There's like somebody else in place of him, either by trade or free agency. You know, Royce is one of those guys you're going to want to be in a Jazz uniform, whether or not he starts long term, if ever. Um, but he'll be a, I think he'll be a key cog in this this roster building that they're kind of rebuilding or well, pivoting. Pivot. I guess is the right <laughs> word. But I still think of the word rebuild just not quite in the same way. It's more like filling in the cracks, you know, between. Right. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and perhaps Dante Exum, who's still, you know, a mystery going forward. Someday we'll get a full season out of him. Someday. Yeah, someday. Um, I was gonna say, did you see um, the end of that San Antonio game where Quinn Snyder was like, it's just I've never seen Quinn Quinn Snyder this excited in my life. He had Royce grabbed from the back left arm, and then he was slapping his chest over and over, yelling at him, kind of pushing him. I've never seen that emo- that much emotion from Quinn Snyder. I don't think I remember seeing that because I, I was watching the game. I want to say I was slightly multitasking. I was kind of doing something else, but I was trying to focus most of my attention on the game because I do remember the – the Royce O'Neal still and a few other key plays. Like I mentioned some of those things with Ricky Rubio, but I don't remember seeing Quinn Snyder that, uh, that particular instance. Yeah, it was a, it was a quick little like two, three second cut when they were uh, kind of going over the end of the game. But I just thought I was like, man, that is, that is a cool moment right there. Just a, co- a coach so proud of his player. And I think any, anybody involved with Royce O'Neal has, you know, right to be proud, especially Royce O'Neal, just for how far he's come. And he's got a long way to go. He's a he's a rookie, and there's there's still things that he makes mistakes on. But right now he's he's playing his butt off, and yeah, he, and he deserves this this unsung hero award. Should play like some sort of sound effect in the background. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Triumphant trumpet. That little, that little Mario jingle when you finish a level. <laughs> <laughs> That's copyrighted, so we can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I don't, we don't get sued for me just mentioning it. No, I, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's just about it for us here. Uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of jazz action for most of this week. I believe they play their next game on Friday, so there will be at least one game for us to talk about. If I'm they do not mistaken. back to back. Oh yeah. Back to back, twenty fourth and the twenty fifth. Wait, is that right? No, twenty third yeah, and twenty fourth. So. It's twenty third and twenty fourth, Friday, Saturday. So twenty fifth will be our next podcast. We'll have two games to talk about, and the Jazz will be about as healthy as they as they've been all year. You know, Ricky will probably have recovered sufficiently from what was said a minor hip injury um, any minor injuries the guys are going through have probably healed up at least much better than they have been you know with you know one or two games between one or two days between games and Dante Exum's getting closer and closer to coming back we're here in like mid-march is like the target for him yeah could you imagine getting him back at that point of the season? I mean, if we're making, say, you know, hypothetically, we're about 
seven we're flirting with the seventh seed in the playoffs at that point i think that would only help bolster us for sure oh yeah definitely just giving us another rotation spot a, a guy and then obviously development as well yeah think things are looking up we're on an 11 game winning streak it'll end soon which will and hopefully we don't go on a big losing streak because that would basically just kill all the momentum we've built but, <laughs> yeah you know, i think that it's a good time to be a jazz fan, and I don't want this feeling to end. This feeling of optimism where there's like nothing I can truly complain about right now. Other than the fact that Dante Exum is still injured. Yeah, well, and the fact that Joe Ingles is such a trash talker. I'm not complaining about that. No, I'm not either. I just <laughs> I think it's so funny like the banter those that he has with his with his teammates over Twitter, man. No, it's just he's dude just cracks me up. Yeah, it is funny. I did see one one tweet, it was from SLC Dunk. It was one of the funniest things he said, you know, if Joe Ingles ever gets a statue, he said what they should do is not to put a statue in front of um Vivin, but to put twenty nine statues in front of everyone else's stadiums where he's trash talking the other like the statues <laughs> on uh, at other teams arenas. I so, would love it. <laughs> He'd pay be... for that out of pocket, you know he would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, if he ends up with a statue, he'd definitely be rich enough. Of course he's getting like I don't know, forty million out of his contract. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But Anyway, that'll do it for us here on Hashtag Jazz. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. And we will see you or talk to you. We won't see you. We'll just talk to you in a week.